morning, everybody. Welcome to Bread of Life World Missions Radio Podcast, recording from Florida. This is Tim Fogarty, and we have Michael Young visiting from Panama here in Florida, and we have the astonished and prestigious guest, Herbert Ospina from Colombia. Good morning, gentlemen. Bienvenidos a todo. Bienvenidos, Herbert. Bienvenidos a mi buen amigo, Timoteo. So, hoy día nosotros estamos en uh, el uh, evangélico de Marcos 6. Okay, Herbert? Marcos 6. Marcos 6. Es en parte, es en varias partes de la Biblia. But we're going to uh, look at the feeding of the 5,000. It's in all four Gospels. La alimentación de los cinco mil en partes diferentes. Los cuatro evangélicos. Okay, Timoteo. Tim, are you ready to start reading now? Si, senor. Yes, sir. Okay, Tim Vale and uh, Marco Seis. Uh, 30 a 44, ¿verdad? You're going to read from 30 to 44? Yes, sir. Okay. Do it hey. in English. I'll start it. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him, all they had done and sought. Then, because so many were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat in a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of him. When Jesus landed they saw a large crowd and they had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd so he began teaching them many things by this time it was late in the day and uh, so his disciples came to him this is a remote place they said and it's already very late send the people away so they can go and to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat but he answered you give them something to eat they said to him, that would, that would take like eight, eight months of a man's wages. Are you going, are you, uh, and we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. Then they found out that they had five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups in hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Then uh, they all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up the 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men had been eaten was 5,000. En versículo 30 dice, los apóstolos se reunieron con Jesús. El enfermaron. Sobre todo lo que eh, había hecho e enseñado. Y él les dijo, vienen apartados uh, de los demás de los lugares solitarios y descansar un poco. Porque había mucho que iban, eh, venían, y ellos no tienen tiempo ni siquiera para comer. 
y se los fueron en la barco en lugar solitario apartado. Pero la gente los vio partir y muchos los reconocieron y juntos corrieron allá a pie de todas las ciudades y llegaron antes de ellos a desembarcar. Él vio una gran multitud y tuvo compasión de ellos porque eran como ovejas sin pastor. Y comenzó a enseñarles muchas cosas. Y cuando era muy tarde, sus discípulos se les acercaron diciendo, este lugar está desierto y ya es muy tarde. Despídelos para que vayan a los campos en los días de alrededores y compren algo de comer. Pero respondieron, él les dijo, dales vosotros de comer. Y ellos le dijeron, ¿Quién va, vayamos y compremos 200 denarios de pan y les dimos de comer? Y él les dijo, ¿Cuántos panes tienes? Y ven. Y cuando se acercaron, le dieron cinco y dos pez. Y les mandó que todo le recostaron por grupos sobre la hierba verde. Y se recostaron por grupos de cien y de cincuenta. Entonces él tomó los cinco panes y dos peces, levantando los ojos de los cielos, los bendijo y partió los panes. Y los iba dando a los discípulos para que se los sirven. También repartió de los dos peces entre todos. Todos comieron y se saciaron y recogieron doce cestas, una de los pedazos y también de los peces. Los que comieron los panes eran cinco mil hombres. So that's in English and Spanish. Now, as you go on, you're going to find uh, that not many passages... Uh, The passage before you can understand the passage completely. Necesita todos los materiales que es enfrente y atrás. Okay. So the part around uh, uh, thing makes you really understand what's going on in the part around the 5,000 fed. The material antes y atrás la cinco mil because it's not just one thing. It's a whole bunch of things that are getting together. Uh, la parte cerca de los cinco mil antes de eso es la muerte de Juan el Bautista. And you can certainly see in one sense how it's connected, la conexión, porque Juan es uh, uh, por sangre parte de la familia de Jesús, pero también espiritualmente él es parte de la Cosas uh, de Jesucristo también. Espiritualmente en la Biblia, Juan es muy, muy importante. So we see the death of John by Herod killing him is uh, very, very important for understanding this passage. Not only was he a relative, a blood relative of Jesus, but he was also spiritually a key figure in the Bible of what had to take place. Now, Uh, when we go to John, of course, we know that John was killed by Herod. And this wasn't Herod the Great that killed the babies uh, in Jerusalem. That was his father. This is another Herod. His, it was his son. Herod had three sons that lived. Herod tiene uh, tres hijos que viví. Uh, one of them is Archelaus, and that's when 
he, his father died, Herod the Great died, uh, Archelaus uh, took half the material, half of his territory. Archelaus, Herod, Archelaus uh, tiene medio de la reina de su padre Herod el Grande. And this wasn't that one. And the other part, uh, the one we're talking about, is the son that married his brother's sister. Rode que se con la esposa de su hermano. And he ruled the Galilee in a fourth part of the kingdom. And he ruled in the area of Galilee over there. And that's the one that Jesus had the most contact with. And the one that he said, you tell that fox. He was very interested in Jesus. And the other one we uh, is the one that he took. He was ruling over the Greeks and the Syrians in the eastern part of uh, the kingdom away from Galilee. But to the east, the other Herod is the uh, hermano que es la reina de este, de la reina de uh, Galilee, la parte de Galilee. And él también tiene la esposa que sacó <laughs> ese casa. And that killed John the Baptist. John began to uh, preach to him and tell him that he couldn't marry his brother or sister, that this was a violation of the law. Which, of course, it was, but the kings didn't seem to pay a lot of attention. Los años no paga atención to la ley de los judíos. Herods were really uh, proselytes. They were that come in under Herod's uh, grandfather, this Herod's grandfather. And so uh, with that, they were Jews, but yet they were not fully accepted and not fully by the Jews. Now, what this is really saying spiritually down deeper than this is uh, es a Herod, a también los otros también. Son una representación de la religión de los judíos. If you can see that, you can see how they kind of mark a difference between the old Jewishness and what God wanted and what the religion had become. They had become proselytes who didn't really follow. They weren't really in bed with the Jewish religion. Juan Baptista, in otro mano, Juan Baptista es la voz de Dios diciendo, regresa, regresa, regresa. So John is the one that's proclaiming return to the kingdom of God. Return, return, return. So what you have and what you're really seeing in that passage is that they are killing the old religion and causing God to leave and take his hand off Jewishness. It's a figure, kind of a, if you're having a dream and you see symbols in something, that's what it symbolizes. Symbolically, symbolistica, eso es de los judíos, deja su religión verdadero, los líderes dejo la religión verdadero e matale, e Dios salió de esta religión. And that's pretty, uh, pretty much what we're seeing going on in the, in the case of that. And so uh, the way we know that, of course, is when he took his brother's life, wife, when Herod uh, tuvo su uh, esposa de su hermano, 
eso significa un religión diferente, uh, religión corrupt, corruptible, porque son ilegal. Now, uh, and Tim, I'll let you answer this if you would. Um, you want to say a little bit about um, about John the Baptist and how he was regarded as part of the kingdom. Was he in the new kingdom? Was he in the old kingdom and so forth? I know you studied that just a little bit. So Timoteo va a decir algo de Juan Bautista, Jesús diciendo cosas de las viejo y nuevo. He spoke as prophecy indicated that there'll be a person that will, well, he spoke of prophecy and he said that there's um i'm just to be you know he's announcing the entrance of jesus and he was and he dropped off he announced the the kingdom of jesus that there'll be a person that's better than me i'm just uh the spokesperson and indicating that there's a man greater than i that will be the savior of the world and and you need to repent and come to know you know come to know the lord he was baptizing everybody and telling people that um the Savior's coming, that he's going to, that, but he is not the Savior. People thought John the Baptist was uh, the, the Messiah, but he wasn't. And he said, I'm not even worthy, you know, to untie his sandals, that he, that this man that will be coming will be the Savior of the world. And that he basically was, and it's kind of an analogy of sort of, and, and the way I see it, <clears throat> I see John the Baptist is sort of like the original speaking of the Jews about the coming of the Lord. And then, and then Jesus comes and speaks it, um, and then, and then, but states still don't really believe him. Some people did, and some didn't. But you know, with that five thousand being fed, I would assume there was lots of people coming to the Lord that day. And, um, and basically, John the Baptist was just a prophecy speaking of the future, and which happened soon after. And Jesus was baptized by John, and then he started his ministry. I think he's part of the old. I think he's. I think the old old kingdom, yeah, yeah, because Jesus said uh, there's none greater than John the Baptist of prophets. Recuerda, Jesus dice, no hay más grande, más poderoso de todos los profetas de Israel que Juan el Baptista. Piensan de los profetas de Israel, tiene Moses, Elijah. Danielle, Jose, a total of prophets, tiene libros de ellos. We have those Old Testament prophets that, and Jesus said, he's greater than all of those. That's greater than Moses, greater than Daniel, greater than Joseph, greater than uh, the guys that wrote the book, Obadiah, for example, Joel, for example, all those prophets. And John the Baptist was the greatest. But then he goes on to say something that people sometimes miss. The least, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. And a reina de Dios. Que Juan el Baptista. El más grande. El viejo testamento. So what does that mean? It means that John, the new kingdom, the kingdom of God, he old that passed away. And that's part why we get the picture of his decapitation. And it's parte porque nos 
decapitation. And the Herods are part of the old that's passing away and is corrupted. Herod took his brother's wife. His brother's wife stood as a picture of a different religion that was being embraced by the Jews. Cuando Herodias llevó su esposa de su hermana um, nueva religión, uh, viejo religión que transforma en algo corruptible y horrible. Y por eso Juan grita y grita cuando Herod uh, decapitó este hombre, significa no más. No más. Necesita algo nuevo. No hay más oportunidad. There's no more opportunity for them to feed. No more opportunity for them to be there. So that's the background, and that's why Jesus crosses the sea. Uh, Quando, uh, well, we see he came from a different place. He crossed the water. Jesus travesera la agua. Quando en persona travesera, cuando Jesus travesera la agua, significa Jesus viene de cielo nueva parte. Jesus coming from Paris, and he's bringing something new. And, uh, of course, here we see with the feeding of the 5,000, he's coming from across water with his disciples. And it says, um, but really it means more than that. It means that this is something he's going to give the people bread, a new outlook, a new would not suffice. That's why the Herods are important. It says, now, can you think of any Old Testament events where you had the feeding, and I'm sure you can right away, where you had a feeding of a multitude of people that had gotten hungry and had, uh, they were in a desert? God fed them. Well, of course yeah. you can. <clears throat> yeah, lots of them. I don't know the, the specific verse and chapter, but I remember many times where the Israelites were hungry and um, and as many circumstances with bread, you know, they were just getting manna all the time. And then I remember one time specifically where it says that they were sick of the manna that they, so they gave them meat. And it was so much meat it was going through their nostrils. So <laughs> God, God uses food a lot in the in the Old Testament uh, to make an example of his provision. And um, the bread also significates Jesus. You know, the bread, he's the bread of life. He's the the body, the perfect sacrifice. And it's seen all through the Old Testament. And, and that's so true, Tim. And that's exactly the passage I was talking about. Cuando la gente está en la desierto. Aquí dice la misma cosa, está en la desierto. They needed bread. And Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. That's Jesus' declaration. And you um, understand that everything that happened in the Old Testament, every image that happened, is to teach us about Christ. Todas las cosas que sucede en el viejo testamento is de Cristo, la mana. Uh, mana in Hebreo significa 
¿Qué es eso? And the word manna is a Hebrew word that means what in the world is this stuff that we're eating? Because they didn't know. And the same way with Jesus. They didn't know. They didn't understand who this guy was, really. So they're really curious. And so now we see here, they're also in a desert spot. And they're also going to be fed with manna. With Veda, the true man. Okay. Uh, they got there before there, and uh, uh, in some places it tells you that they were there for just a, uh, doesn't tell you the exact time. John doesn't, I mean, Matthew doesn't tell you the exact time. The others tell you that it was three days that they were there with them. Maybe Matthew does tell them three days. I can't remember where John told them. But they were there three days, and uh, really wanted to hear Jesus, but they were really, Hungry. Tiene tres días sin comer nada. Escuchando a Jesús sana la enfermos y también les enseñó. He taught them many things and he was there with them to heal their sick and to teach them. And that was his uh, thing that he did to them first thing. So uh, why three days? Well, Remember, we have the feeding of the 4,000 and the feeding of the 5,000. And what we want to do is find out, well, what's going on? Why are there two different ones? Porque hay dos diferentes cosas. La alimentación de cinco mil y la alimentación de cuatro mil. Well, to understand that, you really have to go back to or go forward to uh, the book of Revelation. 19 and 20. If you remember in Revelation chapter 19 in Apocalypse 19, we have a great battle. Gana victoria sobre Satanás. Only dentro de la carcel. Por mil años and for a thousand years in that place and he can't come out. But then at the end of that thousand years, out, out, he deceives the nation, and you have, again, Satan making war against the kingdom of God. Place la mil años in la reina millennial, Satanás hace diferente. So you have two different times there. And these two feedings refer to two different times, two different events in Christianity. Uh, cinco mil uh, es una referencia a la primera, y la cuatro mil significa un tiempo después, cuando Jesús regresará de nuevo. Uh, I think it's connected with the Revelation, Revelation 20 and 19, those two. And, of course, the 5,000, which we're going to look at right now, uh, is uh, the first coming of Jesus, the coming when he's going to uh, 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 bring the gospel and where he's going to be crucified. And the second one is going to refer to a second coming. La primera es la cinco mil, cuando Jesús viene la primera vez. La segunda, tiene en referencia la segunda vez que Jesús Los dos significa que él está en el desierto, that Jesus is in a desert place, and the people is in a desert place. 
And when, when the Bible says a desert place, cuando la Biblia dice es un desierto, significa espiritual, espiritualmente un desierto, sin Dios. It's a place without God. It's a desert that's without God spiritually. And so that's where the those times, and both those times we're going to see they're in the desert place, and they need the bread of God. Ellos necesitan la pan de vida. Ellos necesitan uh, Dios. Es como un pastor, sheep without a shepherd. And for this, God is going to uh, come down to them as Jesus. Él está el pastor de todo eso. Hey, también para entender eso, una persona necesita entender números de la Biblia. The numbers tell exactly what these two things are about. And if you don't ever study the numbers or don't pay attention to the numbers of the Bible, you'll miss so much. The numbers five and the numbers four are the two different numbers in it. Is that by accident? No. Los números de cinco y los números de cuatro significa dos cosas diferentes. So cinco million or cinco mil que alimentación, the 5,000 that are fed, it's speaking, the number five means grace. Número cinco significa gracias a Dios, favor de Dios, sobre hombres, sobre mujeres, sobre los niños que necesitan gracias. We need the grace of God. And that's what that number meant. And that's when he was coming that first time. He came bringing grace to us. Wow. It's maravilloso cuando Jesús da nos gracias. We live in the age of grace now. That continues on to this day, right? Mm -hmm. And so this feeding refers to us in the 5,000, as well as something, the literal, that was there. Now, it's also going to talk of the task of the church. We'll get back to the numbers uh, in a minute. But it's also going to talk about the work of the church, ¿Qué es la obra de nosotros hoy día? Porque nosotros somos los discípulos, ¿verdad? Tú y yo, discípulos de Cristo. Por supuesto, somos los discípulos de Dios. ¿Qué es la obra de un discípulo? What's the work of a disciple? What are we supposed to be? We aren't the bread of life. Nosotros no estamos la pan de vida. No, no, no. Pero nosotros da la pan de vida. Da la gente que necesita la pan en este mundo. We give the bread. We aren't the bread, but we carry the bread. And that's the church's job. The church is never the bread. The church carries the bread, carries the life of Jesus that saves people and allows them to live. Just as bread allows us to live physically, uh, spiritually, we're allowed to live when we eat of the bread. And, and that's why we have communion. It symbolizes that we live by the spiritual bread, which is the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Nesto significa la comunión. Cada vez tú tienes la santa cena del Señor. Tiene pan. Significa Jesús está aquí espiritualmente. Está en mi vida. Está dame uh, vida, vida verdadero. Yo no soy parte de la tierra, no más. Yo soy parte del cielo ahora, parte de Jesucristo y la reina de Dios. 
And so that's the mission of the church. Recuerda que Jesús en este pasaje dice, necesita, manda ellos a sentarse en grupos en la hierba verde. They sat in groups, in groups of hundreds and fifties, cien y cincuenta. Eso es los números de los grupos, ¿verdad? Those groups are, are not just just something that he thought, well, that'd be easier to feed them. Those groups stand for the nations of the world. Each group is a different people group. Each group of 50 is a different people group. Some nations are large, some nations are smaller, but all deserve and are allowed through the grace of God to hear the gospel. Everybody who sits down and eats is going to be representing people of all different colors and races and nations and places in this world that are going to hear the gospel of Jesus. And so what's the job of the church? Los discípulos corre con las cestas a Jesucristo. And they say, yina mi cesta. And Jesus fills it with the, pan, uh, with the bread and the fish. Jesus yina con la pan y la pez. And es corre a las naciones. And so they go back to each of those nations represented by those different groups. And they're feeding that nation, that nation. And if there's not enough in that one, they run back again. They is recoger. Corre de nuevo a Jesucristo. Dice, llena de nuevo. La gente tiene hambre. And Jesus, todo tiempo, multiplica. Multiplica la gracias. Jesus is all the time ready to multiply the grace, multiply the bread, multiply the fish that are there so that each national group that that disciple is feeding has sufficient. Remember, it says everybody had all he wanted. Toda la gente comieron. Todo, todo el quiere. Es llena de la alimentación cuando termina. Mm-hmm. So it signifies that from the time that Jesus came this first, every nation would have an opportunity to hear the gospel. Todos naciones tiene oportunidad oír la evangelica de Jesucristo. La obra de la iglesia es da esta alimentación a todo todo el mundo, and that's why I'm in Panama. That's why Tim is in Colombia. That's why Herbert's in Colombia. We have missionaries from all over the world. Algunos in Asia. Algunos otros in Africa. Different partes de Africa, Europa. And, and todo, todo, todo tiene la misma obra. Da alimentación. Da la pan de vida a la gente. Okay, me entiende. You understand what we're talking about with this group. So 50 and 100 that were commanded, they had down. And the job of the church is to feed them, feed them all until everybody had exactly all that he wanted, all that they could possibly eat of Jesus. And when they finished with one group, what would they do? Vala proximo. They would go to the next group. And if you ever study the spread of the gospel, how it started over there, right in the, the promised land, in Pese, la evangelico, en la tierra de promesa. Eh, muy pronto fue a África al norte, y también en Grecia, gracias 
en Roma, uh, Italia, y después eso a uh, España, el norte, en Europa. And so you can see how it progresses around the gospel and then jump to the United States after it went through Europe and there and, and from Africa. And uh, uh, then it jumped to the United States and the United States took it and then it went to South America and that's where it's going uh, now. And, and it's already in Asia and, and uh, Korea has the biggest church in the world. Korea tiene la iglesia más grande en todo el mundo ahora. And it's porque un discípulo, la iglesia, lleve la pan de vida a Asia, a la Korea, a China, and todo eso. So that's the job of the church is to, to take this bread and fish. And that's what this is signifying. So remember, it said that you had five loaves and that's part. But you also had two fish and the number two. What does the number two mean in the Bible? que significa dos en la Biblia. And uh, if you go back to Abraham, and you remember Abraham had two sons, right? So you start seeing that number two with Abraham's sons. And that was Isaac and Ishmael. En la primera parte tiene dos hijos de Abraham, Isaac y Ishmael. Ishmael es el más, uh, el mayor. Ellos echa afuera Ishmael y la rentador es Isaac. So Abraham had two sons. He threw the older one was cast out and the younger one inherited Isaac, the son of the promise. And then you find the number two again when you follow the path of Isaac for he had two sons as well. Esau, the older son, and then Jacob, the younger son. So, Isaac uh, tiene dos hijos también. La primera hijo es Isaú, and Isaú fue afuera, pero la heredora es Jacob, ¿verdad? Recuerda eso? And Jacob, he didn't have two sons. He had 12 sons, but he had two wives. Remember, Leah es la primera, y la segunda esposa. Is Raquel. El ama Raquel. And quien es el mayor? Well, Leah. And quien es el menor? Well, uh, Rebecca, uh, 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 Rachel. And so Rachel, que significa oveja in uh, Hebreo. Uh, él es el menor. Y también ella es uno que Jesús ama el mayor que todo. So, which is a church? Which one of those stands for the church? Well, we'd say the younger one in each case, and the older one is cast out as the religion of the Jews is cast out. But it doesn't just signify with those, uh, because also when you study uh, Rachel's and Jacob, you realize that she had two sons as well. And Joseph being the older, who was cast out again out of Israel, and uh, this youngest was Benjamin. Yeah, the time of Benjamin hasn't come upon us yet. We'll look at him at one other podcast in the futuro. So you have two of that. Now, if you look on down, Jose tiene dos hijos también. Okay. And uh, those were Ephraim and Manasseh. And they became part of the 12 tribes of Israel. Ellos son uh, parte de los doce tribos de Israel. 
and uh, uh, so Jose and Benjamin, uh, Jose tiene los dos, Ephraim and Manasseh tiene dos. And you come on down, then the next significant figure we find in the Bible is Moses. Hey, cuantos hijos tiene Moses? How many sons did Moses have? Well, he had two as well. And all through the Bible, we find this number two signifying sons. Uh, even the prophets would have two sons. We, we read about the prophet Samuel. He had two sons. And the prophet that he replaced, uh, Eli, Eli had two sons. And those two sons were rotten, but it was still the number two that we're trying to see and understand because we're seeing two fish here. So when I get to that, how many sons then? Because that's what the two is about. Quantos hijos tiene Dios? Dios tiene dos hijos. Now, the testamento significa su hijo is Israel, Ehuda, the nation. Israel and Judah are said to be the sons of God. Those dos. Now, cuando estamos en la Nueva Testamento, tiene la número dos de hijos de Dios, ¿quién son los hijos? Well, Jesus and the church. <laughs> the church is considered the brother of Jesus. La iglesia es la hermano de Jesucristo. A, uh, uh, so we can see that pretty clearly, can't we? And uh, also, Jesus, of course, is the one who was cast out. He was crucified, and that means cast out, so that the younger could inherit. La iglesia tiene inherencia porque la muerte de Jesucristo. Él está expulso en la cruz. Entonces, so that's what the number two signifies. It signifies the sons of God. And uh, we, not only that, but we have the symbol of the fish. Uh, the symbol of the fish is ictus. It's, the word is called ictus for fish in Greek. La palabra ictus en griega significa la pez. Y cuando cristianos llega a nuevo lugar en cualquier lugar, ellas busca un señal en la pared porque otros cristianos ponen un figura de la pez and so they would know where the church was because they would look on the walls and other Christians would put the sign of the fish and they said oh Christians are around here and then they for the church that was ongoing and where they could find and, and do that so had the symbol of the fish. And of course, uh, Tim, you want to say something, I'm sure, if you would say something about uh, how at the call of uh, Peter and Andrew and James and John on their boat and uh, the great catch of fish there. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because uh, they weren't catching any fish that night. It was hours and hours and they were desperate. And uh, Jesus, they saw Jesus on the shore and he said, uh, Throw the net on the other side of the boat. And um, by faith, they did. And all of a sudden, they caught thousands and thousands of fish, the largest fish <clears throat> catch they ever had. And it was almost sank the boat. It was so much fish. And um, so that was based on faith. And the fish, too, are like, um, like you said, we're the believers. You know, they um, we're the followers. And um, the fish are like, since they are fishers of men, Jesus said, I 
want you to be fishers of men. That was the cuss where it came from. After the disciples caught those fish, that they are to uh, we are we are fish out there, and um, so we're they're out there to um, we're supposed to, we are the fish, and our purpose is to continue to multiply and to go out through all the earth to proclaim the gospel, and that's what I believe is the the significance of that catch is that they're going to be the spokespersons the beginnings of the churches where the gospel is going to be shared. And the, the catch is basically we're all fishermen. We're all disciples. And our purpose is to, to be fishers of men and to, and to share that gospel and share the, share the good news to all. Okay. So in Espanol, dice Tim Mateo, perfectamente, que nosotros somos los pescadores y también, somos los pez. En el principio, nosotros somos los pez, ¿verdad? Un pescador, una persona, uh, <laughs> ella, ella pone su red, y recoger nosotros en la red. Y nosotros, en vez de este punto, transforma de pe pescadoras. En el principio, Pedro, Andrew, uh, uh, Jacob a Juan son pez en la barca son pez pero ellas transforma en pescadores de un poco tiempo eso es que Dios quiere por todos nosotros va a pez oír la palabra de Dios estamos en la red de Jesús e hay una transformación en nosotros uh, ponen nuestra red y recoger otra pez por la reina de Dios ve la transformación we see what happens so we see two fish we see the five loaves of bread and the two fish that are going on here we said the five signify grace cinco significa gracias and los dos significa los pescadores, la obra de la iglesia, the work of the church, and the two, and that it's being done by the sons of God. We are sons of God. We're partnering with Jesus to bring in the catch. We've also said that each of those has a responsibility, not only once he has been caught as a fish, cuando uh, los pescadores antes nosotros pone nosotros adentro la red, nosotros empecemos a llegar pescadores también, a recoger otras, da otras, la mensaje de Jesucristo. So cuando tú vas en su vecino, tú tienes un red. <laughs> Y todo el tiempo necesita echar su red de toda la gente, porque hay un pez que está esperando en ti. So all the time when you're just out in your neighborhood or wherever you happen to be, remember you're a fisherman. Always be ready to cast your net. Always be ready to see the one that Jesus is getting there. Because as it says down here in this feeding of the 5,000, you give them something to eat. Es la obra de nosotros. A da algo a comer. The people are hungry. We have to give them something to eat. People are starving to death. Give them something to eat. Da algo a alimentación. 
me entiende, eso es nuestra tarea de Dios, es maravilloso que Dios hacemos. Okay, now, uh, watch there's more in this passage. Uh, no, uh, we'll, we'll look at uh, Mark chapter 6 and we'll see the feeding of the 4,000 as well. We have the 5,000 in Mark 6, 30. Which chapter in Mark? Uh, and we'll, uh, Mark 8, I'm sorry, I said 6, but Mark 8, two chapters later. And you had the feeding of the 4,000 there. Uh, uh, alimentación de los cuatro mil. Then we start reading this section. Uh, oh, you you want to read it? Herbert can read the Spanish version of Mark. Por favor. Mark. Uh, Marcos Ocho, Herbert. Le, le Marcos Ocho, por uno. Uh, alimentación de los cuatro, uh, uno, uh, doce. Sí, señor. En aquellos días, como había una gran multitud y no tenía, Jesús llamó a su hijo. Tengo compasión de la gente porque ya se y no tienen que comer. Y si los ayunas a sus casas, se desmayarán en el camino. Ellos han venido. Su discípulo le respondió: alguien saciar de pan a estos Seis en Marcos ocho entonces mandó a las multitudes se recostará en el suelo y tomando los siete panes and here we're going to see seven of those and so remember the first how many loaves did we see in la uh, alimentación de la primera uh, cinco mil uh, tiene cinco panes five loaves and uh, key tiene siete panes, seven loaves, okay? okay? And after he gave thanks, después de dar gracias, lo partió. He broke them apart, and he was giving them to his disciples, uh, disciples, y los iba dando a sus disciples, pero que los pusieran delante de la gente, and they would put people. And ellos los serviendo a la multitud. And so he's going to serve the multitude. And también tiene unos pocos pesecillos. And it's important that they don't mention two here, do they? Mm. Also, he had some small fish. Doesn't say how many fish, as it did. We had a definite number of fish. But here he just says, I've got some small fish. And it emphasizes the small fish. Fish they've been. We're seeing the same thing that after he blessed the fish, he commanded that they would also serve them. And everybody ate. Todos comieron y se saciaron. Now, how many baskets did they fill in the feeding of the 5,000? Do you remember? Do you remember, Tim? I don't remember the number, but I know, I know in the 4,000 it's seven. But here I don't remember the baskets. I think it was 12. Was it 12 baskets? Uh, it was 12 baskets. It's 12 baskets in the other. Okay. Okay. 
And then it goes back to say in verse 9, Los que comieron eras unos cuatro mil, y los despidió. Y, uh, subiendo en seguida a la barco con su discípulo, and fue a la región Matuva. Uh, however you say that name. And so after he fed them this. So had collected 12 baskets, 12 canastas in the alimentación de la cinco mil. They said that they couldn't have anybody. Sorry. Um, so we have uh, the, uh, said the, it's very important that we continue to pick up the leftovers. Now, what do you think that leftovers, picking up the leftovers, what do you think that means? What's that about? Maybe the lost saints. I'm thinking the leftovers are like the the lost people. Um, I don't know if that could be the lost persons or the people that are, are the leftovers or could be the people that have heard the word but didn't, are not, are not um, they're not taking it all in and not fully in. You know, they've heard it, but they're not accepting. It could be that. Okay. Okay. Herbert, ¿qué, qué significa los uh, sobres? Los sobres. Now, what did they do with them? What did Jesus do with them? He took them up, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus, los sobres. De veras, cuando recoger los doce canasta significa la raptura. Lleva cielo. ¿Me entiende? It's really talking about the rapture. He's taking up the leftovers. Makes sense. As they've eaten, there comes a time when they collect the leftovers. The people that are still living at the time when Jesus is ready to bring his kingdom home. La gente que viva cuando, gente, uh, cuando Jesús es listo para toda su iglesia. Remember, he's up on the mountain. Jesús está encima de la montaña. And the disciples are running up the mountain, getting food from Jesus. And that signifies what we do today. Significa que los pastores bajan cielo uh, espiritualmente uh, en oración. They fill their baskets with the word of Jesus that he gives them for that church for that week. Por toda iglesia, por toda semana. la obra de la pastora es va a recoger la palabra por esta semana. And so <clears throat> there comes a time when Jesus wants the people brought up the mountain themselves. And that's what it's talking about. He, 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 he gathers together the leftovers and brings them up to himself. It signifies the rapture of the people. La raptura significa, dice nosotros, de la gente. Okay? So that's what it's, the leftovers are talking about. Understand that, Tim? I understand. Okay, okay. Herbert, entiendo que significa las sobres. Sí, okay, gracias, Herbert. <laughs> Pobre Herbert tiene uh, parte aquí ya la conexión es horrible para él. Lo siento, Herbert. 
Okay. So he's bringing him up. And then you come to this number 12. Uh, que significa el número 12? What's the importance of the number 12 to you, Tim? What does well, 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 exactly. disciples. That is a lot, a very significant number uh, in the Bible. Okay. And so the fact that he collects those 12 at the last means that the last to hear and the last to be collected up, when all is done, when all the feeding of the gospel to the nations of the world, remember that's what we're talking about, cuando termina alimentación, a la pan de vida de todas las naciones y toda la gente en este mundo, eh, llegan arriba, la última, oír, es la nación de Israel. The last one to hear and the last one to be collected is the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes. So that's why it says that he collects that. Uh, you think about it, uh, Jesus was in a, a boat, not a big boat, and he had the 11 disciples. So what's he going to do with all those leftovers? 12 baskets of leftovers is a lot, right? Mm. So, mm -hmm. ¿Qué hace Jesús con los sobres? No tiene espacio en la, uh, la bus, en la uh, bote. Él tiene otra cosa, otra cosa uh, por recoger los uh, sobres. Another idea he's trying to show us by that, because he couldn't have taken it on the boat. There just wasn't enough room on the boat. Of course, Jesus could have done anything he wanted, but uh, that's not the idea. So we know that he's trying to show us something else by the collection of those two. So here uh, we have the number seven, and uh, uh, we have the number four, and uh, we have the number seven for the re uh, the. Uh, 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 the seven baskets that are at the end. So, aquí tiene la número siete, que es la más importante. Tiene the siete panes, siete canastas. So, it's sevens all the way through. We don't have a number of fish. And uh, the four. Okay, in the Bible, four has two different meanings principally. Uh, to me, anyway, cuatro significa, la cuatro mil aquí significa. Remember that we said the five significa, uh, uh, significa gracias. Five meant grace of God in the feeding of the 5,000. Now, four, if you read it in the Bible, you'll find that people come from the four corners of the earth. Isn't that right? Yes. So he's not talking about a particular nation, a particular group. He's talking about a whole bunch of people that are mixed together. These are the 4,000, is what they symbolize. La cuatro mil significa gente de todo parte del mundo. Que reunión junto. And that's why I believe it has to do with that Revelation chapter 20 when all the nations are kind of gathered together and have come in that millennial kingdom. And you have that rebellion of Satan. And por eso yo creo que es la última vez cuando todas las naciones son junto en frente cerca de Jerusalem. Jesús está en control de eso. So, uh, and it also says that they've been with me these three days in verse two again, as we saw in the first part. Said in the feeding of the five, 
thousand. They've been with him three days. And here it says, they've been with me three days again. The numero tres significa uh, el tiempo en la tumba y también la resurrección. So when you see a three, remember, it always signifies the time in the tomb and also the resurrection. But it's not just the resurrection of Jesus or the time in the tomb of Jesus. It's also meaning the time in the tomb for Israel. It significa el tiempo en la tumba de Jesús y la resurrección de Jesús, pero también la tiempo en la tumba de Israel. Porque ellos están en tumbo ahora. No tiene vida, no tiene nada. Solamente es como muerto en un tumba. Pero la Biblia dice, un día ella tiene la resurrección. Aleluya. Y eso significa también la resurrección de eso. Después de tres días. Tres días ella tiene esta vida. So, that happens, of course, at the end of this current reign and the beginning of the next the millennial kingdom that we'll see in there. <clears throat> so he buys them uh, uh, the seven loaves, quanto panos tiene, and they have seven loaves. So we come to this number seven, seven in the Bible. Uh, can you think of some things that uh, seven signifies, Tim? Completion. The completion. Remember, he, everything was done in the seventh day of rest. It was the completion in the beginning in Genesis. Everything was created in six days. The seventh day was rest. Everything was done in the seven days. This completion. The end of the week. It's it's a it means basically end, completion. It's over. Exactly. Everything, is, everything has been accomplished in the goal. Like that's Revelation. And, so, and significa que todo esto significa la completion de todo acabe. Uh, termina, la terminación de eso. Por la uh, semana de creación, hay siete días, ¿crees? Cada día significa algo especial. Y cada día después necesita la día antes por la nueva cosa, la nueva creación. So, la, al fin, al siete días, todo es completo. La última creación, la reina de Dios. And just like in Genesis, we see the seven days. And each day had something created that the next day depended on. Couldn't have day two till you had day one. And you couldn't have day three, which, of course, was the uh, 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 bringing forth the dry land, unless you had, first of all, the atmosphere that was created in day two. And the light that was created in day one. So all those things had to come together and they come in a specific number, a specific way. And so when he says, as Tim said, the seventh day, the seventh day is the completion. It's everything done together. So and here that's what we're seeing when we see the seventh days as well. Aquí cuando tiene las siete días, las siete panes, y las siete de todo, significa que... Completion. Termina de todo.